God, you are high, you are exalted, you are lifted up. God, you El El Yon, you the most high God, you El Shaddai. God, you almighty, you Jehovah Rapha. God, you are healer. God, you Jehovah Nisi. God, you are banner. God, we just thank you and we praise you, God, for who you are. We thank you and we praise you because of what you have done. You are a good, good father. And we just love on you tonight, God. We appreciate you tonight. We glorify you tonight. God, all praises, all glory, all honor belongs to you. God, we fear you. We reverence you, God. And because we're reverencing you, God, and fearing you, God, no evil, God, shall come. Now I'll dwell and we shall dwell in safety, God, because we're honoring you. We're putting you first and foremost, God, in our lives. So, Father, on tonight as I open my mouth to teach your people, I thank you that you fill it in Jesus' name. And, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I thank you for healing over the nations in Jesus' name. I speak divine healing and divine health over the nations in the name of Jesus. I say be healed, be made whole in Jesus' name. Rise up off of your bed of affliction in Jesus' name. God, we thank you that healing is here right now in the name of Jesus physically emotionally spiritually financially and mentally in Jesus name now father God I just want to glorify you um, to let you know that I'm so grateful and thankful that I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live but it's Christ who lives in me on tonight in Jesus name amen and amen we have been teaching on 911 What's your emergency? And the emergency is lost souls. And we want to keep um, teaching on this series because I believe there's still a lot of people out there that um, don't really know that they're lost. And they're living like they're not lost, but they are lost if they have not accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We started um, in the book of Genesis last week, and I'm going to go back through the majority of what I have been over already because I believe that the word of God is reaching somebody and they're saying what must I do to be saved we have determined through this series that God does not want anybody to be lost he want all men to come to the knowledge of the truth he want all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth we went over um dealing with Ezekiel 18 that verifies that God does not want um, anyone um, to die without um, accepting um, Jesus basically Ezekiel 18 um, we also went over first Timothy 2 4 which I just went over and second Peter uh, 3 9 is that God is not slack on his promise on his second coming but he does not want anybody to be lost so the Lord is waiting on his second coming because he want all people to be saved so let me go back over last week I want to start again in Genesis um, in the beginning what God was doing we know that he created the heavens and he created the earth and we know the earth was void and it was empty there was nothing there we know God spoke and he brought into existence what was not in existence by speaking and after God finished everything he said it was good but then he said it was very good and we know he created um, uh, male and female upon the earth but first we were spiritual beings 
and then he made a body and then after he breathed his breath into that body the body became a living soul that's Genesis 2 he took Adam he placed him in the garden that he had created so notice that everything God made was good God made a garden in Eden for man to be placed to carry out his will upon the earth and there was no evil in that garden everything that man needed was in that garden for man to live that zoe life then we get into genesis chapter 3 where we know that god created the serpent and the enemy used the serpent which the serpent was good before he allowed the enemy to use him and he um, deceived eve and then Eve gave some of the fruit to her husband and both of them through disobedience sin came into the world and that's where the world became corrupt so God had to take them out of that garden because he didn't want them to stay in that garden and live forget uh live forever through the tree of life because the tree of life um that means they will live forever in a sinful state and God said no we got to put man out of the garden so man Adam and Eve was put outside the garden. And we know that through sin, um, everybody was blaming somebody. We see how Adam told God, the woman you gave me, you know, she made me eat that fruit. That's what he was saying. And I used Brother Willie and Sister Denise. <laughs> we got to blame somebody. So he said, that, that, that wife you gave me, she made me do it. But all of us have a choice. That was what I was talking about last week. We have a choice. We have to quit blaming people for our actions. God gave both of them a choice. He told them not to eat from that tree of knowledge of good and evil. But what did they do? They ate from that tree. So by eating from that tree, they had to go to, through the consequences of a, um, not a, a natural, not natural death, but this right here was a spiritual death. The life of God left them. So they had a spirit that was dead in them now that was not alive. And that spirit represented death and it represented sin. So in Genesis chapter 4, we see where Adam knew Eve and they began to have children. They had Cain, which he was a uh, keeper of the ground. It said that's who Cain was. And then they had um, Abel and he was a keeper of the sheep. So Abel was like a shepherd. And Cain, he was one that um, brought in, you know, the, the substance from the ground. But then it says that Cain was a tiller of the ground. So we see what was happening with Cain them. Sin was in the world. So God accepted Abel's offering, but did not accept Cain's offering. So we know that everything that God is about is good. The goodness of God is what leads us to repentance. What King done, he done it outside of what God required. God required a blood sacrifice to atone for their sins. And I am so sure that Adam and Eve taught them about what God required because before um, they got put out the garden, God, God had killed an animal, used the skin to cover them, so that way the blood was covering them. But then when Cain went and did it his own way, he gave him the first fruit of the ground, but that's not what God required. So Cain was upset, and God was giving Cain another chance. He said, why is your face um, fallen? Meaning that he saw the anger on Cain's face. And some of us may not say anything, but our face show everything. 
You may not um, open your mouth, but people can look at your face and tell how you feel. They already know what you want to say. But remember, I was teaching Sunday, a dead man don't talk. So when we're in Christ Jesus and we're dead to sin, when somebody come in and they say something to us out of the way, that old man is dead. The old way of doing things is dead. That new man is what's in us that come alive. Remember Jesus When he was on that cross, Jesus didn't say nothing. He didn't open his mouth. He was fulfilling what God would have him to fulfill, so he didn't open his mouth. So we see here that Cain, he he was angry, and God said, Cain, why are you so angry? He said that if you do good, don't you know you're going to be accepted? So God was giving Cain another opportunity, but Cain wanted to do what Cain wanted to do. He said, Cain, sin lies at the door and it waits for you. So that's what God is telling us. Sin is always waiting. Sin is waiting on an opportunity to come in for us to get out of the will of God. So Cain didn't listen to God. We know what happened next. He killed his brother. Abel, God knew that Abel's blood was crying from the ground. So what God did, he put a mark on Cain's forehead. Cain was a vagabond, but nobody could not kill Cain. You know, he had to be a wanderer. So when we get into chapter 4 still, it tells about um, Cain's generation. So Cain began to have children. Now, I want to say this. Those children were coming through. They was actually relatives back then. They were related. Because remember when the whole earth started through Adam and Eve, that means it was them two first, so they produced. And Cain and Abel, and then Cain, he ended up, he had to um, be with somebody um, which was in the family. So we see that Cain's generation came through. And when Cain's generation came through, that was an evil generation. And we see that um, Eve ended up having Seth, And that's when they began to call on the Lord again through Seth. So when we go into Genesis 5, we look at Seth's generation. So you have an ungodly generation, and then you have a godly generation. So Seth's generation is supposed to be the godly generation. Why am I telling you all of this information? Because when I hit chapter 6, you're going to understand. In Genesis chapter 6, it said, And it came to pass... When men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born of them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men and they were fair and they took them wives of all which they chose. So this is what happened. The sons of men is not no fallen angels. This, this is the generation that comes through Seth and the, the sons, of, um, sons of God, I'm sorry, Sons of God was Seth's generation. Remember, we had an ungodly generation, which was Cain's generation. And then we had Seth's generation. And the Bible said that's when they began to call upon the Lord. And I want to make sure I got that right. That's in Genesis chapter 4, verse 26. And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. It was through Seth's generation that they began to call upon the name of the Lord. So when we get in six, we see that the sons of God was Seth's generation. And I was letting you know that in Matthew twenty-two thirty, when people were saying those fallen angels, they fell and they begin to have sex 
with um, those women, and that's how we have these giants upon the earth. Come on, y'all. People come up with some stuff. (laughs) But when you go back and you look in the Bible, the Bible tells us that in Matthew 22, 30, when people rise from the dead, they will not marry, nor will they be given to someone to marry. They would be like the angels in heaven. If they're going to be like the angels, that means that the angels, doesn't, they do not, um, they're not husbands and wives in heaven, are they? But people are using that. So we got through that. And, and this is what God was saying. He said when he saw the wickedness, now I'm going to go down to verse 3, Genesis 6, 3. The Lord said, my spirit will not remain in human beings forever because they are flesh. They will live only 120 years. So God was seeing that, how the um, humans were and how much evil was in them. He said, my spirit will not be in them because of that sinful nature. When we go down to verse, I'm going to skip some of the verses. Verse um, 5, it says, the Lord saw that human beings on the earth were very wicked And everything they thought about was evil, was wicked. Verse 6, he was sorry, regretted he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So can you imagine, he's our heavenly father. He didn't create us with evil. He didn't create us with wickedness. And when God looked and saw all the wickedness upon the earth through male and through female, which he had created, and he knew this was not what I wanted for them, it says that God's heart was filled with pain. That's just like a natural father when um, my, I'll use my husband or, or I'll use Brother Willie. When you have daughters, when you have sons, and you know you have raised them the right way and the way that they should go, and then you look at their, the life that they're living and you're saying, I don't know where you got that from, especially when you know you had a godly home, when you know that in that home, you know, you, you told them what was right. You told them what was wrong. So you expected that out of them. And then you see them doing some stuff that you never heard of before. Would your heart be full of pain? You would be so disappointed. You will feel so much shame that you are saying, they can't come from me. There's no way that's my daughter. There's no way that that's my son for them to do what they're doing. So it said that God's heart was filled with pain. So we see that God can feel, right? It says, so the Lord said, I will destroy, wipe out, blot, and exterminate all human beings that I have made, created on the earth. And I will destroy every animal and everything that crawls, creeps on the earth, the birds of the air, because I am sorry. I regret I have made them. So God said he was sorry that he had made humans, that he had made animals upon the earth. His heart was filled with pain. He said, because look at all this wickedness. Look at how wickedness filled the earth because of these human beings that I have created. Y'all, that is so sad. And we have to understand that a divided house, it does not stand. When you have a house that's full of corruption, it's not going to stand because it's thriving off of evil. It's thriving off of wickedness. And this is one thing that God is not. God is not about death. He's about life. So he said, I have to wipe out this whole generation that I have created. But then the Bible says that he found someone, but Noah pleased and found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So we're going to look at, you got King's generation, you got the generation that came through Seth, which Noah was a part of that generation. Can you imagine 
through all of those people on the earth, it was only one man. Y'all, we're looking at one man, we're looking at Jesus, aren't we? It was only one man that God found righteous in the midst of every all the evil because the Bible says it was so much evil on the earth. Everything they thought about continually was wicked. Can you imagine every day you wake up, Sister Deborah, all, you having evil thoughts over and over again? It has become so much a part of you. You're saying to yourself it's normal, but I'm looking at you and say that is not normal. Who told you that? See, this is what was going on on the earth. And God knew this is not going to happen. So I'm going to wipe out this generation. But he found one, which was Noah, and he was righteous. So God could deal with Noah. So we look in verse 7, chapter 7 of Genesis. And in chapter 7, God began to speak to Noah. And God began to tell Noah what he was going to do. And I don't know about you, but if I was in Noah's shoes... And God is speaking to me and he's telling me, I'm going to wipe out everybody on the earth. But you and your family, I'm going to spare. Y'all, I've been doing me a dance. I've been saying, hallelujah, thank you. Jesus, I'll build anything you want me to build. Is that not right, Brother Land? I'll build anything you want me to build. Just, just bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. So God began to talk to Noah because he found him righteous. And some of us say that we're in right standing with God. But we don't even know when God is speaking to us. We, we're wondering and waiting, well, God, why are you not saying anything? And the reason why we can't hear God, because we have so much traffic in our head that's going back and forth, back and forth. We have so many imaginations and so many reasonings that we're allowing to go back and forth in our head that God can't break through all of that. So we don't know who's really talking. But Noah, he found he was righteous in God's eyes. So God was telling Noah, this is what I want you to do, Noah. He said, I want you to build me an ark. He was going to tell him how to build the ark. He told him what animals to bring into the ark. And I believe that Noah, he was preaching even to the ones that um, was not living the way they need to be living. And that's uh, proving, proven in Second Peter 2. It says in 2 Peter 2, verse 5, I'm reading out the expanded Bible. It said, And God punished the world long ago, did not spare the ancient world, when he brought a flood to the world that was full of people who were against him. But God saved, protected Noah, who preached about being right with God, a preacher of righteousness. And it says, Noah was preaching repentance and seven other people with him, his wife plus his three sons and their wives. So see, Noah was preaching righteousness to them. He was preaching repentance. But guess what? They didn't want to hear Noah. And I believe when Noah was building that boat and they looking at him building that ark, they probably were saying, you gone crazy. It's no rain been here and here you are building an ark and telling us we got to get on that ark and ain't nothing going on here on this earth. It did not stop Noah from doing what God told him to do. So when Noah done everything that God told him to do, he, he, he had to put food in that ark and everything. This was the pattern of God, God's way of doing. After it was all done, what did God do? He shut them in that ark. It began to rain. And all of those people that did not want to hear God, they died. So what am I saying? People are saying that happened in Noah's time. 
But let me tell you what's happening today. Go with me to Matthew 24, 37 through 39. Matthew 24, 37 through 39. It says, when the Son of Man comes, it will be like what happened during Noah's time. In those days before the flood, people were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving their children to be married until the day Noah entered the boat. They knew understood nothing about what was happening until the flood came and destroyed them, took, swept them all away. It will be the same when the Son of Man comes. See, he's already saying in the Bible that just like it was in the day of Noah, it's just like it's going to be when he comes. You got people that's drinking, partying, having a good time, or they think that's a good time, giving their son, you know, their daughters away in marriage, their children are being married. They're just having a good time. Look now with COVID-19. With everything that's going on, people's lives are being lost. People are dying. People are still shut up in their homes. Some people are still partying, haven't had a change of heart. They're hearing the word of God, but they're doing exactly what they choose to do outside of the gospel being preached unto them. It's just like the days of Noah. So we see that Noah did everything that God told him to do. And when we go to Genesis, the eighth chapter, um, dealing with Noah, um, we're going to go there. So we've been to Genesis 7 and Genesis 8. It says, verse 1, And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters. So what happened was we see that it was raining. I'm going to go to um, Genesis chapter 8, verse 20 through 22. I'm reading out the expanded. This is what Noah did once everybody was coming off of that ark. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. He took some of all the clean birds and animals, and he burnt them on the altar as an offering to God. The Lord was pleased with these sacrifices, and he said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of human beings. Their thoughts are evil, even when they, they were young, but I will never again destroy every living thing on the earth as I did this time. So God made a covenant with um, Noah, because when he come off that boat, Noah did a sacrifice unto the Lord, and that sacrifice was pleasing unto him, because guess what? It's life in the blood. So God was accepting Noah's sacrifice so let's go to Genesis 9 and I guess people say why are you going through every chapter in the Bible because that's what these are the things that um, you're learning that's building up to where we are now and I want people to know that there is sin in the world and sin has to be dealt with and Jesus was the only one that could deal with sin we look at Noah Noah was the only one that was found righteous. So what God did when he destroyed the earth, he told Noah and his family to go on the ark and they were going to be the next generation. So when we go into Genesis 9, it says, here go God again. Y'all remember in Genesis 1 where he was telling man, this is what I want you to do, be fruitful and multiply. Look what he said to Noah in Genesis 9, verse 1. Then God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, have many children, grow in number, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, every animal, living thing on earth, every bird in the sky, heavens, every animal that crawls on the earth and every fish in the sea will respect, fear, and, and 
respect and fear you. I have given them to you. Everything that moves, everything that is alive is, your, is for your food. And then this is what God did. He told them, be fruitful and multiply. What was God doing? He was getting another generation. Remember, he wiped that other generation out. So God was beginning another generation throughout the earth. So it was between Noah and his sons to bring forth this other generation. So we see what happened doing um, this. God made a covenant with Noah. But then let's talk about what happened with Noah sinning. So we know that God made a covenant. He put a rainbow in the sky. He said every time he see that rainbow, it will remind him of the covenant that he had made, that he will not flood the earth again. But when we look at Noah's sin, let's talk about what Noah did. Noah had him a vineyard, and Noah made wine from that vineyard, and Noah got drunk. Now, what am I saying? Noah was righteous, was he not? I'm going to Genesis 9, 18 through 27. This is talking about what happened with Noah. How in the world can a righteous man get drunk? Think about it, y'all. Noah just come off a boat. Been on that boat for years. Now he's coming off that ark. Now he's on some land and he began to farm. So all of a sudden he say, I'm going to get me a vineyard. Y'all, I actually believe that Noah just got so greedy with how good it tasted. He didn't even realize he was intoxicated until afterwards. <laughs> you know how a person drinks so much and they're not aware of their actions until it's all over. Y'all know y'all done been there and done that. <laughs> I don't know what it means to be drunk, y'all. I really don't. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, Willie? You know what it is to be drunk, Willie, for real? You don't look like you was drunk. Wow. Oh, Willie, y'all. See how God changed Willie. Give God some glory. You wouldn't know he was a drunk. He'd be acting drunk now, so we wouldn't know the difference. I have to pick on Willie. But we see how Noah, he got intoxicated. And when his son went in the room, I believe the son Ham, he went in the room and he, he saw his daddy nakedness and he went back out and he talked about his daddy nakedness. That was showing disrespect. So when the other two brothers um, were told, they walked backwards and they covered Noah up, showing respect to their dad, to their father. But what Noah did when he found out what his son did, I believe his name was Ham, right? Yeah. He told him, Canaan is going to be cursed. He said, your son is going to be cursed. So we see what happened here with Noah saying that he was going to be cursed. So let's go to Genesis chapter 10. See, we're moving a little bit further. Y'all, I don't know about you, but when you go from chapter to chapter and understand the generations and understand what's going on, then you can follow the word of God for what it is, and you can know what's acceptable and what's not acceptable through the word of God. So we see in Genesis 10, it's telling you the generations of, of Noah's sons. So Noah had three sons, and it's listing the children that came through these sons. So it lists all of them in Genesis 10. But then, here we go again, in Genesis, um, let me go back to 11. Now, I want you to understand this. In Genesis 11, these are the generations that come through Noah's three sons. 
This is where you get the Tower of Babel from, through Noah's um, son's generations. And it said the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east and they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, go let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. And they said, go to let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. So what they were doing, they want to make a city um, for themselves. See, this is where this generation was becoming corrupt, was coming evil. So what God did, he came down from heaven. He said, what we're going to have to do is con- um, confuse their languages because whatever they have imagined to do, they're going to be able to do it. So this is when they were scattered abroad, the whole earth. They were scattered abroad. But then it goes on to say, remember Noah um, cursed um, Ham's generation. But the other um, son named Shem, I think, Shem, he um, let him know what was going to happen with his generation. This is where Abraham come through Shem's generation. So when you follow these generations, so we're dealing with Noah. We're dealing with, well, first we're dealing with Adam and Eve. Then when you go from Adam and Eve, Cain was left out. Then we look at Seth. He, that's when they begin to call on God through um, Seth, um, child. Then you go from Seth to Noah. So then you go from Noah to Abraham. Out of all these people, how many are we dealing with? One man. Ain't no one man, Jesus Christ. So when you look at that, you're getting up to Abraham now. Abraham come through Shem's generation. So do we see why? God was separating Abraham from what he was familiar with because they were serving other gods. And God didn't want them to have no other God but him. So he was telling Abraham in Genesis 12, I want you to leave what you are familiar with. He said, I want to bless you. I want to make your name great. But you're going to have to leave your family. You're going to have to leave what you're familiar with and trust me because I'm going to take you into the land that I'm going to take you into. And that land, y'all, was Canaan. That land was Canaan. Now, I'm moving a little fast here because I want to um, tell you about Abraham. When he left, y'all know he was married to his half-sister. Abraham lied and said it wasn't his half, his, his, his wife, or, you know, it, it wasn't his wife. It was his sister. But she was his half-sister, so he told a little he still lied it don't make no difference he lied (laughs) a lie is a lie right I don't care how you try to justify it so Abraham lied because he didn't want um was it Pharaoh to kill him was it Pharaoh wait a minute he didn't want to die he went to Egypt and let me see where we are because I don't want to misquote the word of God if somebody find it before I do 12, 14, thank you, Sister Loretta. And it came to pass that when Abraham was coming to Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was fair. It was Pharaoh. The prince also of Pharaoh saw her. I figured it was Pharaoh. He saw her and he wanted to have her. So Abraham wanted her to lie, but they figured out that it was a lie. He didn't want a plague to come upon him. Don't y'all understand that God is El Elyon. He's high and lifted up. So they had to hear about their God. And they wanted them out of there. They wanted to kick them out of there. So y'all know what happened. They left there. But then in 13 is where I'm going. 
Listen at this. Abram, Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and gold. So Abram, he had a lot of cattle, a lot of silver and gold. And Lot, he had a lot of um, cattle and herds. So what was happening was it was strife between Abraham's um, herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen. Abram herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen. So Abraham, what he did, he was letting Lot know, if you go left, I'll go right. You go right, I'll go left. We don't need to have any strife between us. Do you see how it's supposed to be in the house of God? We're supposed to have someone that's standing up for what's right according to the word of God. And when something is going on, the person that's standing up for God is supposed to humble themselves even the more to know that they're not going to miss anything regardless of what they give up. And that's what God had let Abraham know. Abraham knew, I left my family. I left everything that I have. And for me to try to, you know, say, gimme, gimme, my name is Jimmy at this point, I'm still not trusting God. So he said, whichever way you want to go, you can take it. He said, as for me, I'm going to still trust God. I'm paraphrasing it. When Lot chose, he chose over there by Sodom and Gomorrah because it looked good. So Abraham um, let him choose that. But guess what Abraham did? He looked up and God began to show him Canaan. He began to show him everything that was going to belong to him. Why? He said, because Abraham, you trusted me. You didn't try to go after something on your own. You trusted me. So I'm going to show you um, what you're going to get from trusting me. So he began to have him to look once Lot had departed from him. If we keep taking Lot with us, we're not going to be able to see what God has for us. Some of us may have lot in our bedroom. Some of us may have lot on the job. Some of us may have a lot in the family, just like Abraham. So we have to understand that whatever God tell us to get rid of, we have to get rid of because he want to be first and he want to be foremost in our lives. So when God is telling us to do something, we may not understand what God want us to do, but we have to understand that he's our father and he knows what's best for us. So, so far, everything that we went over, we went through the generations. We're seeing how each generation, we see that some sin come in some kind of way, right? It came in through Noah's generation. That was the generation that God said, be fruitful and multiply. So God understood that there was going to be some sin, but still in that generation, it is someone that I can use to stand up for me. And so we see Abraham. He was standing up for, for God. So what am I saying? From Genesis 1 to Genesis 12, you should have gotten something out of this to know that there's still someone that's standing for what's right. There's still someone that's saying, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. See, there's a difference in these, how can I put it? Every household may have a lot of children, but God may only have one out of that household that he have chosen to use than using the rest in that household. And the one that he has chosen to use the majority of the time is the one that's always treated like an ugly duckling, the one that's always beat up or battered, the one that has gone through some things that somebody else have never, you know, haven't went through in that house, the one that looks as if you care more about them than you care about me. 
And see, that's when God will start raising you up, even in the midst of that, letting you know, I have a plan for you. So don't get discouraged because it's a lot of lost people out here. It's a lot of people that do not know Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior. Are you going to be the one that God finds righteous through Jesus Christ to say, God, I'm going to stand for you. I'm going to stand for, for your word regardless of how people treat me, regardless of what people say about me. God, I'm going to be that ark. See, we're the temple. We're the tabernacle. We're the ones that God is living in. So we're supposed to bring him out of us to let them know that they're still a God. They're supposed to see God's glory coming through us. Our light's supposed to be shining to the point that people are seeing God's good works and he's being glorified in heaven. This is what God wants. It's time out for us just thinking about me, myself, and I. Every day we need to be saying, God, you said the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. God, send your labors amongst the harvest, and I bind the hands of the enemy where he want to blind the minds of the unbelievers, keeping them from believing this glorious gospel. God, as I go out and as I minister, God, I believe someone is going to be crying out, what must I do to be saved? And we can say, call on the name of Jesus, and you shall be saved. Not only you, but your household shall be saved. Why? Because it's a promise from God. So it don't matter what that household looked like, y'all. God got a plan and he got a purpose. It don't matter what they do or how they do it. We need to let them know Jesus paid the price over 2,000 years ago for your past, present, and future sins. He demonstrated his love while you were yet in sin. He died for you. So you're not a, a, a person that God hasn't died for. For He wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So let's quit putting people down. And let's begin to tell them what God has done for them. See, what we do is when a person keeps doing the same thing, keep doing the same thing, we'll say, you were taught better. You shouldn't be doing that. But you got to understand, they got a sin nature in them. That sin nature is driving them to do what you're telling them not to do. When the commandments say, do not covet, when that, when you're saying, now you know you coveting, that's waking up that nature in them. That's making them do what you tell them not to do. I'll give you an example. My little granddaughter, Jada, God going to use it, y'all, for real. Jada, you will say, don't do that, Jada. She'll look at you. And do it. The very thing you tell her not to do. Is that not right honey? She'll look at you and do it. And take off running while she's doing it. He told her yesterday. He saw the mosquito uh, spray. In the. um, We ain't going to talk about that. We saw the mosquitoes. He saw the mosquito spray in the golf cart. He told her. Do not Jada. Spray that. She took off spraying. What am I saying? This is what's happening in the world. The more you say don't, but see, this is the problem, y'all. We're under grace now. We just need to tell them what grace have done. And when we tell them what grace have done, Jesus Christ, guess what? They're going to feel the love of God come upon them. Their heart is going to be changed through the Holy Ghost. They're going to be reborn, regenerated through the power of the Holy Ghost. 
And they're not feeling that condemnation no more. They're feeling the love of God. So when we tell people, do not, you cannot do that up in here. You know better than that. That's, guess what that's bringing? That's making that nature and them rise up and say, you don't tell me. This is what's happening with the world. The more you say don't, they say, I'm going to prove to you I can. The more we say quit fornicating, they're fornicating the more. I remember I had, I was talking to this parent years ago. And they were telling me, they say, I'm so tired of the way she's running back and forth. She, she keep going in the arms of this man and da, 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 da. And y'all, I didn't even know Jesus then, but God was using me. And I looked at them and I said, the more you say, don't do it, the more she's going to do it. And all of a sudden I heard, uh, I was just speaking to him and I said, and guess what? That's why she keep doing what she's doing because you're telling her not to do it. I say, leave her alone. She's going to stop. He left her alone. You know how she stopped? She became pregnant. I say, the more you saying, don't, it's driving them to do it. So what am I saying? We love our children. I love my children. But if I give them the gospel, that's the best pill they can take. If I tell them every day what Jesus done for them, instead of telling them every day, you are a sinner, you're going to hell, you're committing fornication, now you know better. That ain't bringing them to Jesus Christ. But when I tell them about his love and how he loved them in spite of what they do and how they do it, and he proved his love, Because he died for them. Even while they were yet in sin and they're still in sin, he paid the price. He didn't deserve to die. But he died on your behalf. That's love. That's unconditional love. The more we tell them about Jesus, the more they're going to want him instead of wanting everything else. So we need to quit beating people up. And what I'm doing, I'm showing people from generation to generation how there was sin in the world, but it still was one person that refused to do what everybody else was doing. And God found them righteous. And those generations, y'all, when you follow the word, it led to Jesus Christ. And that's how it's supposed to be. That's why we study the word and we understand how things happen and why they happen. But God was still a loving God, y'all. He could have just said, forget it. I don't need no humans on this earth. I don't need them. But God knew that there was going to be a new heaven and a new earth that was going to come here. And God wanted us, the ones that are born again, to introduce this kingdom down here on this earth. Instead of waiting for something to come, say, you already have the kingdom in you. So I pray through what we have went over so far that you can take this and let people know it still was somebody on the earth that was righteous in the midst of everything that was going on. They still wanted to serve God. Did they mess up? Yes, they messed up. But God knew that they were going to mess up, but God also knew their heart. Amen. So we need to trust God more than we trust in anything else. And on that note, every Tuesday... At least every Tuesday, we try to have somebody to come up and minister salvation to the ones that are lost because we have an emergency out there and it's lost souls. So we don't want to leave anybody out. So I pray that those that have watched this broadcast tonight, that their hearts have um, been turned away 
from sin and is turning towards God and knowing that you can't fix yourself. You have to allow Jesus to come into your life, to come into your heart and live and abide forever. This is the only way it can be done. So I'm going to ask Sister Loretta to come up tonight and minister salvation unto the people out there because we know we have some that are lost on tonight. Amen. We give God glory. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I don't know what you've been through through in your life. I don't know what you're going through right now, but I want to let you know God is a merciful and he's a forgiving God. So I want you to repeat after me. So I say, Father God, Father God, forgive me for every sin that I've sinned. I believe in my heart that Jesus died on the cross and God raised him from the dead. And I thank you, Lord God, that I, I am saved. If I confess with my mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ, I am saved. So confess, your, confess that Jesus died on the cross and God has forgiven you of all your sins. And also, uh, when you do that, once you are, you are born again, you are now born again, and you want to ask, uh, now that you have a new life in Christ Jesus, your life is new now, so you want to, uh, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. So now that you have that new life, you want to find a church. That's teaching truth, teach, teaching the word of God. So you want to ask God to lead you to a church that's speaking the word of God, that's speaking truth. So uh, you'll know how to live that new life that you have now. So you'll uh, be able to stand through anything that's coming at you, or what's com- you know, that's going to happen to to you in your life. You'll have, uh, forgive me, y'all. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. Anyway, and then it's another thing that you can do too as well. You can, uh, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You ask God to uh, just lift up your hands and say, Father, fill me with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And when, once you do that, speaking in tongues is, uh, is building you up in your most holy faith. It's keeping you in the love of God. Amen. And um, once you do that, and you just thank God for filling you with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Father God, for filling them. And God, God, we give you glory for their new life. Thank you for saving them, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God be the glory. So we know it's somebody out there that have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And see how simple that was. See how simple the steps are. Some people make it um, so hard to accept Jesus. It's not The way of a transgressor is hard. So we got to understand that God has made a way, and that way is through Jesus Christ. It's not through anyone else, but through Jesus Christ. So once you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Christ died and he rose on the third day, how do you know that you have believed that in your heart? Because someone is out there preaching the good news. They're preaching the good news concerning Jesus Christ. He's the one that's bringing the kingdom of God unto us so being that he brought it unto us we want to give it unto you so just like sister loretta said when you believe in the death burial and resurrection of jesus christ why did jesus die he died for our sins why did he have to die for our sins because it was not anybody on this earth that was fit to die on our behalf because all of us were that are that were not born again were considered to be sinners and the wages of sin is death so it had to be 
paid for. And Jesus paid the price for us, a price we could not pay. And I do feel in my spirit, some of y'all are still thinking that, you know what, I'm good. I go to church. I go visit people. I do this. I do that. I cook for people. I don't curse. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I'm no prostitute. I'm no homemonger. I just stay home. But all of that, it does not get you into heaven. The only thing that gets you into heaven, the Bible say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The only way you can get to the Father is not through Buddha, is not through Muhammad, is not through your good works. The Bible said by faith we are saved through, um, by faith, by grace we're saved through faith, not of yourself. It is the gift of God where not of works lest any man should boast. The only thing we have to do is say, yes, Lord, I accept what you have done for me. I accept that you have paid the price for me because the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. I accept that. Father God, I accept that, that you were buried and I accept that you rose on the third day. And if you had not risen, I will not be justified. I will not be made righteous. I will not be redeemed. I will not be reconciled. I will not be sanctified. So this is what it means by the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was something you didn't have to do. It's what he's already done. And the only thing you got to do, like Sister Loretta says, is confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Christ died, he was buried, and he rose on the third day. And if you did that, you are saved. And I say, welcome, welcome to the kingdom of God. To God be the glory. Now we're going to go into our announcements at this time. Praise the Lord, everybody. Until further notice, we will be using our live stream and Facebook for our service in Clem School of Ministry. Sunday service will broadcast at 11 a.m. Clem Tuesdays at 7 p.m., ways to send your tithes and offering. You can go to our website, which is www.mtdm.org. You can use our cash app, which is the dollar sign, MTDM20. You can mail it to P.O. Box 1042, Burgall, North Carolina, 28425. Download um, the um, Church by Ministry One. Ministry One is one word to follow us. Um, get updates, um, learn what we're doing, what we're not doing, and you can also pay your tithes. And we invite you to join us on Sunday for our drive-in service starting at 11 a.m. Thank you. Amen. To God be the glory. And I want to say again, thank you for joining us for Clem Training School. And know that you are always welcome, welcome, welcome. And until next time, know that we love you with the love of God. Be blessed.